0: All right, Jason. So, welcome back to episode twelve. We've made it a dozen episodes. Are you excited about that? Yeah. <laughs> you don't sound enthused <laughs> at all. You sound just as enthused as our uh, Facebook Live video at the roller derby. Oh match. my goodness!
1: Like that was my idea too. Hey, Alex, you know we should do a Facebook Live video at the all roller right, derby Jason, bout.
0: I'll bring my cell phone. We can do it. But. And I froze dude I can't do I, can't, I just can't deal I know you need your outline But that's not the important thing Jason The important thing is that you and I were both at a roller derby They're not called matches They're called bouts They're called bouts Alex Do you know the history behind that? Why they're called bouts? No Because there's nothing funny about it <laughs> <laughs> That's a bad roller derby joke I've got lots That was awful So
1: the story of our Flint roller derby team is pretty darn incredible, Alex. Yeah, really? So my wife plays, right? And I talked about that very shyly in our video very briefly. Yep. But I have watched this team go from, I mean, garbage to just incredible. Okay. So this was their last game of the season, the one you and I went to. And they finished the season eight and two. Wow! And over the past two years, they're fourteen and four. Wow! And before that, I don't remember them winning anything ever.
0: How long? Have they, how long have they been a team?
1: I don't know that for certain. I what I do know is that they have agreed to come on our show.
0: What? Yeah. And I am so excited. Well, I better we better hide all the valuables. There's a bunch of Derby girls going to be coming over to my yeah. house.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They steal everything. That's that's kind of what they're known Actually,
0: for. Actually the derby girls I've met a few of them they are some of the nicest people yes absolutely they could snap your neck in 20 different places but they are the nicest people
1: yeah so i mean just part of their story like real quick like 3 years ago in battle creek in the mitten kitten tournament they lost every game and it was it wasn't even close it was really bad mm-hmm. i was like i was like almost embarrassed to be there and watch it it was so bad it was it was painful And then fast forward to a year later, last year they played at Joe Dumars in the Mitten Kitten Tournament. That's kind of like the end all of the season. It's the tournament, that's where you find out who's the best in the league, and they finished second place in Division Two. Wow. So that's like a huge jump from not winning, being laughed out of the tournament the year prior. Now they finished second place in Division Two. And then this past, was it August? No, it was October, Mm -hmm. up in Mackinac, they finished second place in Division One. Wow, a huge increase. And so they finished eight and two this season. They only lost to one team, and that was the Ann Arbor Bruising Company, which was just insane. Like nobody's beating them, but they should be like extremely proud. I was proud to watch it. I mean, I lost my voice cheering at that
0: tournament. It was it was something special. There's something. So you and I both love hockey. I yeah. mean diehard Red Wings fans There's a huge correlation there. There is a huge you. correlation. And that's one of the things that I love about uh roller derby is because the, you can see the dedication that's poured into it. And it's not it's not okay. For all of you football and basketball fans out there, I'm gonna make you upset. You guys worship a pretty boy sport. Okay? Yeah. Hockey is like a legit just brutal but also takes a lot of talent there's a lot of heart behind it and i would say that roller derby is in that same category yeah it, it's
1: brutal i have seen some gruesome injuries firsthand
0: has there ever been like any in a moment where there's like been blood just spilled all over the course and they have to get like out there with towels and clean it all up at
1: one of their practices a couple of years ago a girl on their team uh, was just turning a corner and suffered a compound fracture like a spiral fracture bone out of skin Oh. Like brutal. I watched oh. a girl. I watched a girl get fall down, and another uh, girl land on top of her and break her hip. Oh my gosh! I've seen girls like you're making me jack their knees to pieces, separated shoulders. I mean, it's a brutal sport, and it's played at a very good pace,
0: and it is
1: entertaining is all get out it's like it's it's nerve-wracking for me watching my wife play
0: man that's incredible well you know what jason i'm gonna stop you right there because i don't want to give too much of that episode away right here because i think it's going to be a slam dunk episode and make sure you guys are stay tuned for that it's going to come out in a couple weeks but we need to get into the topic of what we want to talk about tonight and that is it's a it's something that i've been mulling around in my head for a while and Jason and I have been talking about it uh, all day today and, and a couple days prior, and hopefully uh, the topic can bring some comfort, uh, especially to recent events that have happened in our country. And yeah,
1: if anybody else stayed up till two thirty watching states turn red or blue like myself, uh, this this episode's going to go along with that.
0: <laughs> but anyway, let's get into the episode, guys. This is not your pastor's roller derby podcast machine team episode. Yes, Jason.
1: Satan won this election.
0: Mm. Wow, you just want to cut right to my heart.
1: I'm, I'm just going straight for it. Satan won this election
0: and before like Be- before we get the angry emails, yes. I want you to explain yourself because that's that's a harsh statement. I mean, I said in the last podcast episode with not your Mama's Christian podcast that the American god needs to die and now you're coming on this podcast saying Satan won the election. You yeah. got to you got to elaborate. You got to let us know what's up.
1: Let me be clear, I'm not talking about Trump.
0: Okay. <laughs> I can see how some people were like, yeah, darn right, it was Trump. Yeah. He's Satan.
1: <laughs> no, I'm not talking about Trump. And let me be clear here, like Alex and I we're not pastors.
0: Oh, no, right? we're not. No, so we can say whatever we want.
1: Yeah, because by law, if I'm not mistaken, the church really can't say much about politics from the pulpit because of their 501c3 status.
0: Mm. Hitting them where it hurts, Jason. Tax tax exemptions.
1: Yeah, so I mean, by law, I mean some churches do, and that's fine. Like I'm not, that's your thing, whatever. Uh, by law, you're not supposed to talk politics or support a particular candidate, although some churches choose to. Regardless, when I make the statement that Satan won this election, that comes purely from looking at Facebook in the days following it and not seeing, uh, what do you want to call it? Um, hate posts. Yeah, not just not just hate posts in general or angry posts, but Christian on Christian anger. Ooh. So many little memes and garbage that said, if you voted for Trump, you must not be saved. Or how could you support a baby killer and still call yourself a Christian? To the point where people are really divided over this. Mm. I mean, really divided over this. Some people are even willing to throw their hands up and say, maybe I'm not a Christian. If if this is who Christians identify themselves as, if, if Christians are all Trump voters, I can't stand for that. Maybe, maybe I'm not a Christian.
0: And that's sad to me because what we've basically done is we've demonized or glorified political candidates to the fact that, or to the point that people now are questioning their faith because, you know, they didn't vote for the quote unquote Christian candidate. Like that's just awful to me. Like that's so like, I'm always reminded of like John 17, where Jesus is praying for the unity amongst believers And every four years, I mean, I would say that this is the worst I've ever seen it, but definitely not the last I've ever or the first time I've ever seen something like this, where Christians are going back and forth and talking politics. And there is this disunity and the father of that disunity is Satan.
1: Absolutely. I was going to say, like, you feel that there's a a divide going on here and mm -hmm. who causes division. Satan. Yeah, and so when I was talking to one of my pastor friends about peacemaking, I took this peacemaking course over the summer. I probably don't get through this election without it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm being serious. This peacemaking class that we took, which was just reading a couple of peacemaking books and then uh, talking to about five different pastors on how they handle conflict, and talking to one of those pastors. He says whenever he's in a conflict be it with his with his wife or a coworker even or just somebody in general he always has to acknowledge that there is a higher power at hand that wants you to be divided from one another. And that's something I hadn't given much thought about but I can see it so clearly now. Yeah. In in these in these different posts where people are going out of their way to make these ridiculous dill hole statements. Can I say dill hole? Like
0: we can bleep it out if you want, but i like to leave it in.
1: Like they feel like they they have their bully pulpit, which is Facebook, and they can say whatever they want and they're throwing other Christians under the bus. Christians who thought hard and prayed over their decision. And okay, maybe you didn't like a lot of the things Trump and his social life stood for, but you wanted to see change in our government. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, we can all agree on a certain levels that our government's pretty corrupt. Maybe you voted for Hillary because you agreed where she stood on many social issues. All right? You don't have to agree that she's a baby killer or where she stands on abortion. But you can see that she cares for the poor, and it doesn't appear that Trump does. And some people will say vice versa. I don't want to get into an argument over who would do what.
0: Mm -hmm. But at the same time these conversations are happening and something is happening in the church that is just so destructive and that is that division that that disunity and the only person that's winning in that like you can post the most snarky clever remark on Facebook but the only person laughing for real is satan he's going yep this is exactly he's what winning. i want he's, he's totally he's totally, totally winning, right now. winning. That's why, Jason, I want to pitch this idea to you. I want to create something called Rant Space. It's a new social media website. (laughs) I'm I'm hoping we can get the funding for it. And Rant Space is literally a a social media site that you can post all of your your hate mail, all of your uh, memes that make fun of other people or make fun of certain political candidates with orange skin. And as soon as you hit the send button... (laughs) Guess where all that stuff goes. It goes to a external hard drive system at the bottom of the ocean. So nobody sees that crap because nobody needs to see that stuff. If you're upset about something, take that stuff to God. Because if you, as soon as it gets out on the internet for other people to see that disunity starts to happen. And then Satan is literally sitting, sitting back going, this is exactly what I wanted. This is exactly what I want God's people to do. Because if they're fighting amongst the, fighting amongst themselves they're not pursuing the kingdom and making the kingdom great. So basically Snapchat? Yep. <laughs> basically. Yeah.
1: I mean, you you can record your rant and just delete it or send it to somebody and then it's gone.
0: And use a cute little B filter.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the holiday filter have you seen that one no I haven't seen it takes holiday. your face and it puts it on all these different like holiday bodies like caroling bodies
0: oh that's cute yeah I just did one with the boys and they are so hilarious I'm glad we've gotten to that point now in our technological history <laughs>
1: but seriously Satan causes division and one of the ways he does that is through isolation I mean, how many people I, feel isolated? How
0: I can't tell people who I voted for because I'm afraid I'm going to tell the wrong person and I'm going to get shunned. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I, I was listening to uh, a Driscoll sermon. He had an awesome Halloween well, sermon. Wait a second. I know it. You're listening
0: go. to Driscoll again? I, I don't well, know if he's a, even yeah. repented. Should you be listening to him? I listen to everybody, sinners included, Alex. I'm not going to lie, I listened to that same sermon you're talking about. <laughs> Satan, demons, and zombies? <laughs> proceed, proceed. Oh,
1: my goodness. So, so he's talking about one of the ways that Satan works is by isolating people. I can't think of anything that isolates people more than Facebook. It is completely isolating. All you're doing is you're not engaging in active conversation with anybody. You're just looking at people's maybe thoughts thoughts are you're sneaking in on their lives their vacations you're, you're seeing all these things and for a lot of people you're thinking man i wish mine was like that i'm so unhappy they must be happy all the time and you're completely isolated from reality you're isolated from genuine conversations somebody says something i don't like i can hide it or i can delete them and vice versa so what happens or you is can attack back you form this little insular bubble of supporters and you're operating within your own little realm and you get so isolated from other people's thoughts and opinions and you that causes conflict i mean that's one of the things that i learned in those in those those books is that it's our lack of knowledge of the other party which causes conflict Mm -hmm. because you're afraid of what you don't know you don't you don't know what they're thinking. You, you form assumptions. And after a while, those assumptions become truth. We confuse that all the time. That happens so we think so many levels. If so-and-so voted for somebody, they must also think this or be this or do this. And that's not true. And what now has become is somebody has made a decision, and that decision paints them as right or wrong. Mm-hmm. and to me that's it's just it's crazy how far it's got, and it's going to continue to get worse yeah it's I, not going to get any better anytime soon
0: so are we telling our listeners to get off facebook because we have a facebook account and we we always tell people to go like that
1: no and what sucks is we're at 199 likes oh, and we just somebody just please tell somebody
0: Be that 200th person, please. Now your pastor's
1: podcast needs one more freaking like. Just do it so I can feel good about myself. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I did for my birthday, Alex? What'd you do? I have to say this. My birthday was the worst day of my life this year.
0: Aw, I'm sorry. You want to know why?
1: Because I was trying to prove a point and say like, those fake birthday wishes don't mean anything. So for the past two years, I've taken my birthday off Facebook. (laughs) And like last year was still pretty good. Like a lot of my friends, like your general acquaintances, like people you went to high school with, like they were. Oh yeah, Jason's birthday is October fifth. This year, nothing. I got a call from my mother-in-law. I got a call from my dad the night before, and my mom. You want know to? Who else called me? Who? My dentist sent me a text (laughs) and said, happy
0: birthday, Jason. I need you in for a cleaning next week. It was
1: so depressing. I thought I was so much bigger than that, and I'm not. And I was really angry at myself for not being bigger than that. You wished me happy birthday later on. I did. Well, so, thank you for
0: that. Well, you know, that's what a podcast host does. You know. The
1: rest of you, please write it down October 5th for next year. Send us presents.
0: <laughs> like us on Facebook and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, somebody like, oh, crap, I forgot Jason's birthday. Here's your 200th like. That'd mean a lot to me.
0: Anyway, Jason, are you, are you done with your with the bad news? Can I say just just one thing about you Trump? You can say one more thing about Trump, then i literally want to put the nails in the coffin and be done with him
1: is that Trump became a picture of something far bigger than just a presidential candidate. And what I mean by that is if you took, say, a woman who was sexually assaulted, Trump was no longer just a candidate. He was no longer just somebody running for president. He embodied everything evil that personally happened to them. He wasn't just another circle on the ballot to fill in he was pure evil to them so when you make the statements oh god's in control just get over it and you don't allow them time to grieve to be hurt i think that's to to process these things you're doing them an injustice
0: I think I think that's a failure for us the the people who do say well God's in control you just need to get over it like don't you realize who your god is that's in like direct contradiction to what what the whole what what Paul says like you need to weep with those who weep yeah and we be-
1: absolutely should so it's I'm, more I'm right than there just with you, crap I voted for Hillary and now she lost and now I'm upset because my candidate didn't win it's it's deeper than that for a lot of people uh, for people who who have felt like they were personally attacked, if they were a minority group, if you were gay, or you were a lesbian, or you were sexually assaulted, he becomes more than just a candidate. If that makes any sense, mm-hmm. uh, you can't just wipe it out with black and white theology. No, you like cannot. you have to try in all instances to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Absolutely. All right. Maybe that one's going on rant space, but I think it should. <laughs> I think we I think it should be I included in this conversation.
0: Absolutely. And I do think that there is a time to weep with those who weep. And I, and I don't think we've done a very good job of that. And I think that's something that we need to be reminded of, like, just because you're excited that your guy won means that there's somebody down the street who isn't excited that your guy won. Yeah, and, you need to and it
1: may be a whole lot deeper than just a guy winning.
0: Exactly. So, definitely, you're so, absolutely right. Space and grace. Space and grace.
1: Uh, if you have questions about that, please like email us. Maybe we can go into more detail about it, but really... I'm sick of talking about it for right now.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm glad. I'm glad we said something about it because I'm literally watching my Facebook feed, and I say I want to say something, but there's so much missed if you just post something on Facebook. So I'm glad we're having the conversation. Yeah. And and Jason and I have highlighted the the bad news kind of part of the podcast. Yeah, in the your beginning. Jesus, and, your Jesus spanking is over. Okay. From not. I'm New glad. Um, my 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 hide is red. Okay. I hate that phrase, by the way.
1: Jesus <laughs> spanking. It. It's, so, it's so. Anyway, low.
0: so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to get to the good news. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas, Jason!
1: Ho, 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 ho! Oh, Santa. Hey, buddy. You're being awfully nice for somebody who's just been kidnapped. That's right, everybody. We kidnapped Santa. And using air quotes, he's agreed to help out our podcast a little bit. And what I mean by that is if you leave us a five-star review on iTunes and then you send us an email or a Facebook message letting us know that you did, we will send you special instructions for Skyping Santa. So if you've got some little ones, all seriousness here, Alex does a pretty rad Santa. Like, he's got the costume and everything. And we're going to set up a a little Santa's workshop. Santa's coming to our little podcast studio down here in Alex's basement and you get a chance to have your kids Skype Santa just in time for the holidays all you have to do is leave us a review and your kids can talk to Santa or if you don't have kids you want to talk to Santa that's cool Santa's here even if you have already left us feedback again just Facebook message us or send us an email And let us know. We'll send you those instructions, and we're going to start taking Skype calls. Here's a little jingle to take us back.
0: All right. We're back with the good news. Are you in the
1: Christmas mood, Alex? The Christmas spirit? I
0: am in the Christmas mood now. I've already been sending my wife uh, pictures of things that I want for Christmas and letting her know that, you know, these things have to be underneath the tree or I'm leaving.
1: Oh, you're going, you're going. That doesn't sound like a very we don't, joyful Christmas. We don't
0: fool around at the Ryman it's house with Christmas. Business. It's serious business. There is, there is a budget. There are gifts to be had. Anyway. You
1: know what I did to Jess one year? What? Uh, I bought her like a little like ring. Okay. And I like That's hung cute. it. I hung it on the tree and it was on the tree like as an ornament for, like, three months, mu- like, well, like, for three
0: weeks. <laughs> and she's
1: just hanging there. And so Christmas morning, she's like, where's my present? And I was like, where it's been the last three weeks. Just oh, hanging on the tree. Was she ticked? And it wasn't, like, buried in the tree. It was, like, kind of right out front.
0: Was she ticked, like, my gift's been hanging out here the whole time? A little bit, yeah. Well, actually, for, for some people that don't know, I actually got married on a Christmas tree farm. So. Oh, yeah. Dude, your wedding... Holy crap. Uh, all the props go to my wife. She yeah, that was the place. Phenomenal. She hooked all the decorations up. I literally played golf that morning and then I just showed up in a nice suit to get married. I did that, nothing. like,
1: the backdrop, everything. That, I and that's coming
0: from, like, a dude. Like, most dudes <laughs> don't, like, care
1: about weddings or anything. But I was like, "Holy crap! This is just awesome." I have like a... this might be the best wedding I've ever Aww, been to.
0: Jason, thank you. It was it was top notch. Well, we're still married, so something something worked that day.
1: Yeah, is that tree farm? That's why you're <laughs> married. Oh my gosh! The anyway, spirit of the wilderness resides
0: in us. <laughs> anyway, so let's let's get to the the good news here because. We started off the episode with bad news, and I hate to leave it on a sour note because I think that's just awful to leave our, our fans with just the sour feeling in their gut that Satan is getting the last say. Because we all know, especially those of us who have, who have read Revelation, that Satan does not get the last say. Nope. So the one thing that I can say that I've been extremely comforted, comforted through, especially this entire election cycle, is this idea. And this idea has shaped who I am as a Christian— it shapes how I read the Bible, and that topic is that God is for God. I pause because I want you guys to sink let that sink in for a second, yeah, and I I'm mean also when waiting you originally to say something well when you <laughs>
1: <laughs> when you originally brought that idea to me like through text, I was like, Where are you going with this? But then when you talked about... You know how you're processing this election and everything after that, and you started explaining it to me. I was like, "That makes a whole lot of sense."
0: Because I was gonna do a blog about it, but like, I'm just like, I needed to talk to somebody about yeah. it because I needed just to share ideas and and other things. And I I, I do want to say this as a, as a, it's kind of a good news and something that I was gonna put in the blog, but I didn't. I I, I haven't I didn't write it because you and Sean are pregnant. No, we're not. Oh, okay, sorry. I want I do want to gonna... say this that. Of the f- and now this is before uh, president this is before president uh, elect Donald Trump was elected when I wrote this and when I did the statistics, that of the forty four presidents that we've had thus far, seventy eight percent of those presidents have died. Yeah, and there's only five alive, five current presidents alive right now. So one of the things I took great comfort in and then just thinking about who God is and how great he is, that he's not a man. And I think that's something that we need to we need to wrap our heads around because before we go into this topic of God is for God, you need to throw some of your conceptions about how we think about men and how we think about humans in general because and those and government because those things do not apply to God and so that was one of the great comforts I was thinking about it like man, everybody every four years they get around this this person to worship and it's like don't you realize that that dude is going, or woman, eventually, if we have a woman president, is going to
1: die. And God forbid they mention Jesus, we all dance around him and form a big victory parade. Exactly. He's so, a
0: Christian. I know, dude. It's it's so crazy, but like that was one of the great comforts. I know that sounds really morbid. It's all insignificant. Exactly. It's small. And there's been and there's been five. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to say the number exactly, but there's been five presidents that I think is the number that have died while in office on top of that. They never got to finish their presidencies. So for us to make saviors out of these people is just ridiculous. Now let's get into the topic, Jason, because I love this topic. This is, like I said, this is something that has shaped me as a man. So I wanted to share it with you guys. I wanted to have this discussion with Jason. And if you guys, again, if you guys have any questions, or even thoughts please share them with us on facebook Yeah, we'd or love email, to hear them. email us so let's get into why we think this is because we do have a basis for why we think this we didn't just read some random book written by some author and say oh yeah that's what we're going to start believing in now we actually we got this from the bible which i know is even controversial to say nowadays because jason and i adhere to a that the bible is an inerrant book essentially Mm-hmm. Are you still believing in that Jason? Oh, yeah. I I know a lot of people yeah, are I going the other way.
1: No, I I'm reading more and more on it. I think I think the arguments are interesting, but I'm not not buying them that yet. I haven't been sold on any of them. So
0: what is your chief text? I want I want you to to reveal your chief text for why you think that God is for God.
1: My my chief text is Ezekiel 36. Ooh,
0: Old I, Testament.
1: Yeah, I'm going a little OT. And I'm looking at God's relationship with Israel. Because Israel was awful.
0: Awful people.
1: Like the worst. Good food, awful of the people. Worst. And I think it's Ezekiel chapter 16. It might be 12. I'd have to go look it up. But it goes into I mean, if you ever want to know what sin looks like in the eyes of God, how much he's hurt by it, read that chapter. Because it talks about God's relationship with Israel, how he finds. Israel, this young nation, just born, and left to die in a field, in their blood, like cord Super still brutal. attached. I mean, br- extremely brutal language. You you picture Israel as this baby who is unloved by its by its mother and its father was given birth to and just thrown into a field to die. That's how God found Israel, and then God takes. This baby, and he cleans it off, and he he loves it, and he takes care of it, and he clothes it, and he nourishes it, and he feeds it. And the imagery is just incredibly beautiful, beautiful how he adorns and makes this forgotten baby his beautiful bride, mm-hmm. his wife. I mean, he's so... He uses that, that language, that imagery, like he's so infatuated with the nation of Israel, bringing them from nothingness and making them something. And what did they do out of gratitude to God? They, they whore. They hoard themselves that's the, that's the out to other That's the language the Bible uses, gods. man. They literally gave birth to God's children and sacrificed them on the altars of other gods. They they murdered their children. They no longer loved God. They loved their riches. And I mean, it's just so like if you read the, the language and the imagery, it's so heartbreaking and painful to read. And if you ever w- wondered what does sin look like in the eyes of God, it looks exactly like that. Like it's heart-wrenching for them. Mm-hmm. And to me, that I don't know why, that, that scenario is just like you read it, and you immediately understand it, especially after, you know, you have kids of your own. And like, you, it's just, for whatever reason, it's it's relatable. But, but God in Ezekiel chapter 36, he does something tremendous. Even though Israel has fled, even though Israel has said, screw you, God, we're going after other gods. God says, you are still my people. And I'm going to act not for you, but because of my holy name and because I made a promise to you. That's what he says in verse 22 of 36. He says, therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you profaned among the nations. And he goes in from there and he talks about everything he's going to do for this nation of Israel, this, this nation that rejected God, that said, screw you in the worst way possible to God. He says this, he says, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. He's talking about the other nations. Verse 24, it says, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. Remember, Israel was exiled at this point.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: And God is saying, I'm going to bring you back to your own land. And he says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be cleaned from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols, I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new start and a new spirit, and I will put within you, I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to my rules. And he goes on from there and you notice like the the personal pronoun, who's doing all the work here?
0: Right, exactly.
1: It's God, and he's doing it for the sake of his holy name, not because Israel said, oh, God, we'll get it together. We'll clean ourselves up. He says, no, you're incapable. I'm going to do it for you. Mm. So, I, And I'm going to do it freely. Like, even though you rejected me, I'm still going to do all this for you, not because you deserved it, not because you earned it, but because I'm acting on my holy name,
0: mm-hmm. it's so. I never used to be a crier. I'm I'm just gonna say that right right off the right off the get go. I never used to be a crier. I I don't think it's been. I think it was like maybe three three or four years ago the first time I ever cried in a church service or teared up or like teared up listening to a sermon and it's partially because of because of texts like these that God is so good that he would do these things for us.
1: Yeah. When I'm, when I'm preaching this text, when I know I'm dealing with a crowd, like I'm at the jail, people who've made some awful mistakes. I mean, some of these, most of these guys are in there because of drug possession. Are they, you know, missed their Parole or, or whatever it may be. But, There are some guys in there who are brutal, they've made some terrible mistakes and they're really down on themselves. And maybe they thought they were saved and now they're really struggling with their salvation. Like to me, this is assurance of salvation.
0: Yes. You can royally screw up. That's why I hate the whole, the whole, it's, I mean, when it comes down to it, it's like a merit based salvation. If you, if you kind of ascribe to the, the belief that you can lose your salvation, like, that is not a high view of God at all. If you, I mean, I don't want to offend anybody, but that's, that's what it basically boils down to. If you can gain your salvation but also lose your salvation, your salvation is still based on works. It's not based on God. It's not based on his grace at all.
1: Yeah, and here God is saying to Israel, I will replace your heart of stone with a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. And what do we know from Ephesians chapter 1 that all those who believe— then the Holy Spirit comes to reside mm-hmm. until and the, he acts as an yeah.
0: inheritance, as an insu- a, assurance. A, yes,
1: it's a guarantee of your salvation. It's your ticket into heaven.
0: Mm. We are literally going kind of a little bit pastor mode. We just, are we are so far. This, this is our mode. most preachy, I think, podcast to date. But
1: I think it's important in light of this election because these are these are important reminders.
0: So can I? I'm going to say mine. Okay, go. For and it. mine is from the New Testament. So. So don't, don't worry, folks. The, the testament that you better explain is going to be talked about. <laughs> uh, so John 17. So the context behind this is Jesus has been talking with his disciples in the upper room after he's washed their feet. And literally in chapter 18, the very next chapter is when he's walking to the garden where he's going to be arrested. And this is what he says. This is literally the first statement. He says he's praying to God. Uh, He says, Jesus spoke these things and lifting up his eyes to heaven. He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Boom. I mean, boom statement right there. (laughs) Like that. You don't, you know, put a, put a cork in it. It's done. It we're, we're done here because I have heard many times, Jason, and this is something that is, that is, that troubles my soul when I hear people say this. Is that the reason why God created uh, created us and saved us was because He was lonely? Yeah, and that's dangerous because it makes us the center of the universe. Like, man, the one thing that God was lacking was us. Yeah, I never really thought about it that way, but you make an excellent point there. Like, God lacks nothing. No, nope. God, and that's why, and that's why I think it was in, uh, man, what book was it? I want to say it was another Timothy Keller book. He was talking We're about Tim
1: Keller fans here
0: He was talking about the the perfect community. Oh no it was Richard Jacobson's book oh, <laughs> I'm no. sorry Richard well well isn't that like a
1: you just confused Richard Jacobson with Tim Keller? I
0: think he might appreciate that at least I hope he appreciates Maybe. it but so Richard Jacobson again, we love the guy uh, if you haven't gotten his book yet, please go get it. it's called Unchurching but he talks about this idea of community. In the beginning of his book. And he says community started with the Godhead. So the father. God the father. God the son. God the Holy Spirit. So to say that God lacked community. Or that he was lonely. Doesn't exist. Because he had that perfect community. In eternity past. And so to say that. To say that, that we are filling his void. And filling that lonely feeling that he has. Is just awful. So. When people say, well, why are we here on this earth then? It's to glorify him. And Jesus says, father, glorify me as I'm going to glorify you in this, in this moment on the cross, in this moment that I'm going to die for the sins of the world. But I'm also going to conquer death in my resurrection and purchase a new life and a new meaning for life for these people. That's why when, when somebody says the chief purpose of God is to save sinners, yes. But take it one step further. The chief position of God, what God desires most, is to be glorified, and that's what I get out of John seventeen. Yeah. And then another one, and this kind of goes along with, and this is an Old Testament one, but this is this is a this is a text that everybody knows. I've I've seen it on so many posters and banners. Is Psalm twenty three? Oh, that's I, was almost, I almost said that Alex. He said. So it goes like this. You. He says, "The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures." He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Here's the tick here's here's you know here it is right here. For his namesake. Yeah, don't wag your finger at me
1: like that. Alex, that's ultimate pastor mode. Your finger wagging.
0: But I just get so pumped up about this topic, Bible Jason. Thumper. I get so pumped up because if we would just sit back and just meditate on this on this on this topic. If we, and like, I'm going to be quite honest. There's been multiple days at my job, and what I do is I sit at a machine and I work on aerospace parts, and I sometimes get lost in the different applications that this this topic provides. That God is for God, and I just think about, man, here I am, this tiny, insignificant soul that's just kind of walking around on the earth, just kind of doing whatever. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, I don't know why I'm here, and a lot of people have that. Like to be an ambassador of Christ, boom. To be an ambassador of Christ, but what's the ultimate goal of being an ambassador for Christ? To bring him glory. To bring him go- glory. And I know what this. You almost is. said
1: glory. That's a gory. totally different application, Alex. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so, for some people, you there you might be struggling with this with this idea that God is for God, and maybe this is the first time you're hearing it. But I want to give you the comfort in saying, th- in saying this. God is a good God. Yep. And the fact that God is a good God means that if he is for himself and that he is for his ultimate good, that he is for his ultimate glory, that he is holy, that he can do no wrong, we win.
1: Well, I think this goes back to kind of what we were talking about in our first segment. If people are unsure of their salvation— like, you've had a bunch of Christians say, "Oh, well, you voted for Hillary? You must not be saved. It must be a baby killer. That like that shakes people to the core. Mm-hmm. It really does. We could like to say that words don't hurt us, but words, oh man, I was listening to Science Mike, and he was talking about the impact of words, and holy cow, it was so convicting. Like, the whole sticks and stones break my bones, but your words will never hurt me is a load of garbage. That is garbage. Your words hurt extremely bad so when you say something like you just throw out this and and then you you follow it up with some just black and white theology like uh like oh don't worry god's in control you know kind of thing like yeah but you still said something that hurt really bad and thank you for the black and white theology lesson but i'm still like hurting right now i mean my candidate didn't win mm-hmm and, like, I think people deserve that that space in there. But for them to come away from it feeling like I must not be saved, like, that's, that's brutal. And my heart goes out to people like that. But I read texts like these and you see that God is for God. And I think you can have that assurance, like, like if, if God is for God, then it's not about me. It's mm-hmm. not about my vote. It's not about what other people said about me. And, man, I, we get so judgmental on mm-hmm. one another. And it drives me absolutely up a wall to think that somebody's vote would would jeopardize their salvation. It's not like you went first, John and denied Jesus, you know?
0: I mean, I would even go as far as to say is if you're... F- feeling judgment because of the person that you voted for, that you voted for the person that wasn't, quote, unquote, the Christian vote. And now you're kind of like, man, what is this? Am I even a Christian? Like, Jesus has some pretty harsh words to say to people that lead other people astray. Yeah. Like, what's that text that he says, like, if anybody causes causes these little ones to stray?
1: Yeah. It'd be
0: better to have a millstone tied around his neck and to be thrown into the, oh, my gosh. Yeah brutal stuff that Jesus says about those people. So we do need to be careful with our words. And I, I just want to say this, like if this topic is is blowing your mind a little bit, it should. It should because God is that good. Yeah. God is that enormous that we can't possibly... And here's the thing. We can throw out all these doctrinal terms and you can have all these theologians that write books and try and make up all these different theologies to try and fit God into this box but at the end of the day when you think about it God cannot be put into a box and because
1: he's so much bigger than what he, any of us can even imagine
0: and so that's why i have that's one of the reasons why i i believe in this god that the bible talks about because the the bible paints this god to be extremely just magnificent and holy and good and there's no possible way for me to wrap my mind around it and i honestly think that that's something that god that's a grace from god and that's something that he he gives us because if if we did understand everything about him our brains would literally explode yeah. it's like trying to fit infinite amount of water into a water balloon i know the Eventually next i know break. the
1: next question like people are going to ask though what, what is it jason that's why does bad stuff happen if he's such a good god
0: and the thing is I'm going to just I'm just going to say I don't know. I and he, the reason why I don't know is because I'm not God and I and I can't see the broad spectrum of all of history. But this is what I do know. When everything is said and done, injustices are going to be met with justice. Yep. That everything bad that has ever happened to a child of God will be made right. When everything comes to an end and the reason why bad stuff does happen, you, you, you got to think about it. We live in a broken world. It's bad stuff is going to happen regardless. Hurricanes are going to happen. Money is going to be stolen from you. Your health is going to fail. Like those are all symptoms of a broken world. A, but can, the, a presidential candidate a presidential. president
1: can turn the whole country around into a big giant
0: wreck. Exactly. Some but, people think we're already in a wreck. But the the one thing that allows me to lay my head down at night and to sleep well and some nights I don't sleep well to be quite honest, but most nights I do sleep well. The the one thing that comforts me is that there is a good God and that he's not for he's not for this political party or this political party or for the rich or just for the poor. He's for himself and because he's for himself everybody profits.
1: It's a world religion. <laughs> it's not an American religion. Nope. Uh, I we we've said things against the American church in almost every single episode, and I'm going to continue to say things. And that's one of my goals in this show is to expand your minds Did and you to show you it? that God moves in different ways. And the more people you talk about and you hear their story the more you see that God moves in completely different
0: ways that you know,
1: would have never even
0: thought of. I mean, one of the things, uh, I mean, you talk, we talk about the American church a lot. If you think about it, if the American church was more of the mindset that God is for God, the whole consumerism and church shopping and, you know, your worship band has to sound like this, your pastor has to preach this certain way, I all so that wish, stuff goes out the window. I so wish it would. <laughs> but, I mean, it's true. I mean, it's like, ah, I know we like, and this is something like, I'm, I'm going to be quite honest. I don't fully understand, but I did want to, I do want to talk about it because I just need to get it off my chest because if there's one thing, if there's one thing I want this podcast to be, or what people, I want people to see about us, they, people can see us being funny. People can see us goofing around. Maybe we have a good point or two. But at the end of the day, what I want written on my tombstone is that this guy made much of God because God is worth it. Yep. So that that that's all. That's that's what I got, man. Alex wants to leave a legacy, a legacy that's for God's name, not my name.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm in total agreement with you. If people said this guy loved God, like that's like all I could ever hope for mm-hmm. is to have that be visually known.
0: Mm-hmm. And I mean, the other thing, and we kind of talked a little bit about it just a second ago. I mentioned it kind of in jest, but the whole biblical inerrancy like that's that's, that's something that's, that's coming about very, very quickly. And I'm seeing more and more of it. I'm listening to so many different Christian podcasts that are kind of ascribing more to that, that belief where that I I do believe in Jesus, but I don't think that the Bible is an errand or that I don't think we can take all the old Testament stories to be literal. And if you have this mindset that God is forgotten and maybe you don't, but if you're, if you're listening to this and something's resonating with you for God to get the most glory, those old Testament stories would be true. Like if if David and Goliath was just a was just a fable that people told back in the day to let people know that you could conquer over your giants in life. <laughs> it's a crappy story. It is. But if it's a story that actually happened that God used a small shepherd boy to just tear down this giant, which by the way, David goes up afterwards, cuts Goliath's head off and shows everybody. Yeah, it.
1: buddy. That's the way I Uh, because even in the comic book Bible, it cuts that part out and I still tell my boys and it's their favorite part. Like when I read that to my boys be like, and there was Goliath on the ground. And like one of my boys would be like, and then he chopped off his head. (laughs) Your
0: boys are going to be these awesome Bible scholars at like age 10, dude.
1: Yeah, they are.
0: They're going to know all the gory parts. Yep. But yeah, for God to get the most glory for God to make the most of himself because he's worth it. Those stories have to be true.
1: Yeah, I mean, inerrancy. Why is there pain and suffering? Those are going to be topics explored in other other shows. I mean, I think we can do those each of those topics probably a little bit more justice than here within the realm of God is for God.
0: But this is something that I did want to start off with because this, like I said, this this goes into so many more avenues that we're not going to explore in this episode. So I do want this to be a basis. So anytime you hear us talking about certain issues like loving your neighbor or Racism, or suffering, or the bi- biblical inerrancy. Jason and I are going to come from this position. Yep. So, anyway, I think we got a skit for the guys. You you want to want to get into something a little less heavy? You want to get out of the deep end of the pool and to get into the shallow end, Jason? Yeah,
1: let's have some fun.
0: All right, so here's a skit for you guys that we recorded. kids, it's me, Pastor Alex, your favorite children's pastor. Now we have a special treat for all you little rugrats out there. Our good friend, Mr. Wilkerson, has come by to share some Bible stories. (laughs) All right, you darn hippie. Get out of my way because I'm going to educate these kids and tell them about the Bible. Now I know two things. I know how to skin a crowd and to tell a Bible story. So here we go. (laughs) Well, kids, Mr. Wilkerson is a little rough around the edges, but you learn to love him. All right, well, uh, you don't need to be that happy about it. but All right, our first story, kids, comes from the Book of Judges. Now, Judges is a great book because it's a lot like World War Two. Lots of people died, and there's heroes like myself. So here we go. This first story is about Ehud and how he went in to kill a guy named egg line. Now, the Bible says that he was a very pudgy man. So what happened was he goes in there, he gets out his knife, oh, and oh. he done sticks him oh, in the stomach, oh, oh, no. and poop comes oh, out of him my when he pulls goodness. the blade No, no, out. no, 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 no. We cannot tell those kinds of stories around here, Mr. Wilkerson. Those are too mature. Do you have something a little bit more appropriate? <laughs> well, all right, you giggling hyena. I guess I can go to a different story. Now, you got any objections to oh, Moses, oh, a little no, baby no, in a basket? No. Oh, uh, Moses is good. Moses is fine. All right, I'll fine. tell you a story about Moses, kid. Now, Moses is one of God's guys. Now, he he's going back to Egypt to go deliver the message to Pharaoh that he's going to let his people go. So this is what happens. He's on his way there, and they stop at a hotel of sorts, and his wife, support done take a sharp stone... And circumcised her son, and then what she done oh with the goodness, foreskin no. is she done take no. the foreskin, and then she touched. Oh my goodness, no! You can't tell that story. That's the one story you can't tell. Uh, Pastor Alex, what's a circumcision or? something. Well, Timmy, a circumcision. Now is I'll when... tell you what a circumcision is, son. It's it's where you take the man's genitals and you cut oh, off my the goodness. foreskin. No. It's a little no, bit of extra no, flappy skin. No. no, Mr. Wilkerson, I'm going to have to ask you to stop it right there. That is way well, too. Well, these far. stories are in the Bible, ain't they? I'm telling. That's what you done had me come down here for, and I'm trying to tell these kids about the Bible. Now, can I tell one more oh, story? I guess so. One I more promise story. It's going to be something with animals. I, I, so I to okay. be a little bit better. Alright, now this story is about a man named Balaam. Oh, now okay. Balaam this... was a prophet for hiding. He was this a one. bad man and God didn't like him very much. So one day the Bible says that he did this. It says that. <clears throat> and Balaam rose up in the morning and he saddled his Ask ass. Jesus into your heart, kids. Why don't we sing a song? That's a let's sing a song now. Yay! Thank you, Mr. Wilkerson.